Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Take your Bibles out and turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. What stops the gospel? You know, when I first, uh, we first thought about our series and what we were going to call it, we thought about a lot of different things. Uh, it, you know, when you first look at this title, it seems like an oxymoron. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is absolutely powerful. It is the good news. The word gospel means good news. It's the good news that we have today that Jesus Christ gave his life for us on the cross. It's the good news that he died to take away every single sin we may have ever done in our life. It's the good news that I can be brought into right relationship with my heavenly father and I can know him and experience him and and know my creator and I'm adopted into his family. I'm a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, that's great news today. It says in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news to every single creature. This call is for every single one of us. We're to take the gospel wherever we go. We're to share the good news wherever we go. God wants everybody to hear the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's the question we have today. If the gospel is good news, why doesn't everyone respond? I mean, if it's so good and it's so amazing, why doesn't everybody respond to the gospel. What is it that stops the gospel? The problem is not the message, the problem is the couriers. It is those who are carrying the message. The message is strong, the message is powerful, the message is good, the message is wonderful. It is the couriers or carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're responsible, the Bible says, for reaching all creation. It's our job, It's our assignment. Therefore, if the assignment is not being fulfilled, the problem may be us. Let's stand together. Let's look at Matthew 21. We're going to look at some different things over these next few weeks of barriers that that I believe we've created many times in the church and how that is overcome. And here's one barrier that you see in, in Matthew's gospel. Uh, Jesus Christ goes in. He is going to have to clear out the temple to make room for others to come in. And let's take a look at this story. It is Matthew 21 and verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Wow. Wow. The blind, the lame, they came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests, the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, the children shouted in the temple, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they ask. Yes, Jesus replied, have you never read from the lips of children and the infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city of Bethany where he spent the night. Let us pray. Father. 
We love you so much. We thank you for your word today. It is powerful. It is quick. We thank you, God. I pray it will find its place in our hearts this morning, that you will examine each and every single one of us, that we will not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. Lord, anoint me as I preach your word. I need your help today. We ask it all in your precious name. Amen and amen. Turn to someone, shake their hand, tell them to say, stay dry this week and uh, take care of each other, look out after each other. The Jews in Jerusalem prided themselves on having the very purest form of worship. After all, they had the temple. The temple was there. They could go there anytime because they lived in Jerusalem. They could offer their sacrifice. The, the priests were there. It was the center of religion for the whole nation of Israel. And so they were the very best of the best. And the message to outsiders was something like this. Real Jews would make it hard for travelers to come and worship. And you have a scene, it's the Passover time. And so what would happen, it was one of the pilgrimage feasts. And so Jews from all over the empire, the Roman empire who'd been scattered about, Jews from other parts of Israel would have to come to Jerusalem to worship. And when you came to worship, you had to bring a sacrifice. You could not come into the presence of God unless there was the first, the shedding of blood. And so animals had to be sacrificed and slaughtered and everybody had to bring that sacrifice for their family. But if you're traveling a long way, it's gonna be hard to get the animals there. Animals aren't gonna make it with you. And so what happened is those enterprising Jews had set up a little business on the side and they have these money changers. And so first of all, you come with all your foreign currency. It has to be exchanged into the shekel of that area and that region. And so there's the money changing that has to go on. Once the money is changed, then you could buy the sacrifice. And so what they would do is they would jack up the prices and they would sell the sacrifices And the whole thing became a money-making business venture all in the outer courts of the temple area. It's kind of like when a hurricane hits. What do we do? We jump the price of the generators. We jack up the price of the chainsaws. We shoot the price of water up through the roof. And uh, gas prices go up all over the place. And so they're doing the same thing. People are forced to leave and flee Florida and they're heading up the coastline and all along the way they are facing higher prices. It's the economy, it's the enterprise system. It's go ahead and take advantage of those who have to leave and run and flee. And so it's the same mentality for those Jews in Jerusalem and they're not making it easy, they're making it very, very difficult. Jesus walks into the place. Business is booming. The cows are mooing, the sheep are bleeding, people are pushing and shoving each other, money's clanging all around, and there's the smell of stench in the air, not just from the animals that are all going through those areas, but the stench of dishonesty and the stench of corruption. And Jesus, with fire in his eyes, begins to shut down the business. And he closes the outer courts and he cast out the money changers. The real crime was not so much in obtaining the sacrifice, the real crime is that Jewish pilgrims and God-fearing Gentiles who also came to worship Jehovah God could not connect with God. There was no way to get in, there was no way to do what they needed to do. 
And the temple wasn't fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. Now, there's a verse in Mark. Mark 11 is a parallel passage to what I read to you in Matthew 21. So Mark 11 has its uh, kind of version and slant on what happened and what took place in that temple area. And he adds these words in Mark 11:16. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Not just a house of prayer, but a house of prayer for everybody. House of prayer for all nations, all peoples. Everyone should be able to come and pray and worship the Lord. And the Lord comes in and he kicks them all out because it's the way they handled sin. It's, it was the, the, the way of hope and the good news was being blocked. They were stopping the good news. They were stopping the gospel. They were stopping the way of sacrifice. They were stopping the way to get inside the temple. It was blocked. Now, when he says, my house to be called a house of prayer for all nations, the emphasis is not on the prayer part because these Pharisees prayed. They would often pray eight or nine hours every single day. He's not telling them to go ahead and up your prayer rate from eight hours to 11 hours or 12 hours. Uh, prayer was not the question. The, the, the real issue was it was not a house of prayer for all nations. Just good, select Jews who already lived in Jerusalem. Everybody else is kind of excluded. Religious people were making God inaccessible to those outside. Now here's the news for us today. God wants to cleanse the temple. God wants to come in and clean up house. Just like he came in on that day and he cast threw the tables over and he cast the money changers out. He made that cord of, of the whip and he began to drive them. Just flash that through the air and they're running and money's flying everywhere and animals are scattering and people are scattering. He, he had to clean out the temple first because of all the corruption, the den of thieves that they had turned his temple into. Now here's what I want you to get. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. listen to me. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you receive from God, you are not your own. Listen, we are now the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know the Lord, if he is in your heart and life, you are the temple of God. We are the carriers of the presence of God. And so my question for us today is, are we creating barriers for people to hear the good news when they see our temple, when they see our lives? Is, is, is there inherent within us some kind of barrier or hindrance to the gospel, to the good news? Now I want to give you two things today, and if you want to take your notes, you can just kind of follow along and jot these down what are, what, what are a couple of things that, that hinder the effective spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ? First of all, and for the gospel to go out clearly, there's got to be all hindrances have got to be cleared out and removed. Now, the scene here is Jesus has authority to go in and cleanse the house. So when he does this, when he turns them, the tables over, when he begins to cast them out of the temple area of the outer courts, when he begins to kick them out, it's because he has authority over his house. That was his house. Turn to Hebrews chapter three. 
The reason he has authority over his house is because he was the builder and maker of the house. Look at what it says here in verse number two. He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. Now, Hebrews is a, has a lot to do with greater than. And so the writer of Hebrews is gonna set out that, that Jesus Christ is greater than the temple, he's greater than the elements in the temple, he is greater than Moses, he's greater than the patriarchs, he is greater than, and so he's proving who Jesus Christ is. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. So Moses goes up on the mountain, he gets the plan and the design for the temple. But the writer of Hebrews says God is greater because God built the house, not Moses. Moses was faithful as a servant of God in all of God's house, but he was just a servant. God's the builder. Testifying to what would be said of the future, but Christ is faithful as son over God's house. He's over God's house. And then he says, and we are his house. If we hold to our courage and the hope of which we boast, we are the house of God. And so what he says here is, just as Christ had authority over his temple that was given to Moses that they designed after Moses' plans, he's able to go in and cast them out because now we are God's house. God has a authority over us. He can do what he wants to in our lives. And he is the only one who has the right and privilege to clean up and cleanse the house of God, which now is us. He has authority over these temples. The Bible says, I have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. I belong to Jesus. So I don't have authority over my own house. When I say, Jesus be my Lord and my Savior, I'm saying, you have now authority over my house. You have authority over this temple, and if you want to come in and cleanse it up, you cleanse it up, you take away my sins, you do what you want to in my life, you purify me, you cleanse my thought life, my mind, my heart, my motives, my everything, I give it all to you, you need to come in and cleanse my house. We give him that right and that authority when I say, Jesus, come into my heart and life. No longer is it my way, no longer am I calling the shots, but it is. So my opinions, my beliefs, and my plans and every part of my life are led by Jesus Christ. It's his house. He owns us. So he has the right, the authority, to come in and cleanse the house. Now here's the question I want to ask you. Are there things in my life that hinder people connecting with Jesus Christ? Because the way I treat other people? Because the words I use when I deal with other people? It was the religious leaders that needed cleansing in the temple. It was not the people. It, it, it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He has to drive them out. It's the, the money changers. They needed cleansing. I found an interesting statistic, and it was by the American Society of Microbiology. You're going to be interested in this one. They studied the hand-washing habits of Americans, and they found some very disturbing results. 
researchers, and what they did is they, they, would hid in the, they would hide in the stalls of the restrooms, and they would act like they were combing their hair, but they were really taking a survey the entire time people were coming into the bathroom and they were leaving the public restrooms. They observed 6,333 men and women in five different cities. Here's what they found. In New York's Penn Station, for example, 60% washed their hands after using the bathroom. Six out of ten. That means 40% did not. Does that disturb anybody here? I don't know, just, maybe just me. At a Braves game in Atlanta, they found 64% washed their hands. Now, here's something interesting. Uh, women did better than men. So men, women are smarter than us. We've said that all along. And uh, 74% of ladies would wash their hands. Only 61% of men ever wash their hands when leaving the restroom, leaving the bathroom. I want to tell you, this, the, thing went on, the article went on to say, that's not good. <laughs> the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says hand washing is one of the most important means of preventing the spread of infection. Hand washing, cleansing. God says our spiritual health depends on his continual cleansing. Here's the problem. We are in a dirty, filthy, sin-sick world. And there are sin germs all around us. And we pick those up. And we have got to be continually cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do we allow him to cleanse us? Cleanse our heart and our motives and our thoughts. What kind of germs are we passing on? He said the, the, the statistic said the one fight against disease is wash your hands. What germs am I passing on? What impression of the gospel are people getting when they see my life and hear me talk and hear me do business and see how I treat people? and how I function and operate in the world. What are they thinking about the good news when I'm angry and mean and mad at people? We're saved and sanctified by God's grace. It is only by God's grace alone. And so when he comes in, he saves us, he makes us holy. The Bible says we are sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. But we also know that sanctification is also a process. It's not, it's a one-time event when I'm saved, but it's an ongoing process. And the Bible describes that process as being washed by the water of the word of God. And so I let the word of God wash me and cleanse me and the Holy Spirit deals with me and I can deal with those issues in my heart and life so that I will not be a stumbling block or an offense to anyone else. But when they see me, they will see and experience the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do they see in us? Am I a hindrance to people accepting and receiving the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? It's God's free grace. Are we making it hard, though, for people to enter and discover him? We are consumed with making people fit before they 
come into our temples, before we will accept them into our family. And so we look at people all around and, and we want them to talk like us and to look like us and to act like us and to vote like us before we'll accept them into our family. And so because of our prejudices, we're no longer a temple for all nations. Uh, now we're simply a temple for the rest of the Pharisees uh, and the Sadducees uh, and all the people who look like us uh, and all the good old boys that we know already. But God set up a different way. His message, the good news, has always come just like you are. Just as I am, I come to thee, O Lord. I, I come before thee. And, and we say, come and see what God has done. And then when you come and see, then God will begin to work inside of you. And he will begin to clean you and sanctify you and be with you. That's the good news. You've heard this expression before, but I'll say it again. We focus on catching the fish, and then we let God clean them. But if we try to clean the fish... We'll never catch them. Let's not make it hard for all nations to find and worship God. The religious in the temple, it's the religious people in the temple. They're there. They're doing church. They believed in all their system that's going on in the outer courts. They believed in their own mind. They were honoring God. And Jesus walks in and he says, you have missed it. You have abandoned your purpose. You are not doing what this temple was created for. It is to be a house for all nations. I want to tell you, it is possible for us today to come in on Sunday morning and to do church and yet still get in the way of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can do our thing in the sanctuary on Sunday and do my own thing the rest of the week and we can miss what God is doing and wanting to do in this world all around us. Don't just go through the motions. Don't just accept religion and miss out on what God wants to do inside of us. If the gospel is gonna be open and accessible, first of all, we've gotta cleanse these temples and allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse our temples and examine our life and say, God, God, we're the only gospel that most of your friends and family will ever see. What are they seeing when they see you? Is it, are you making the gospel attractive? Or are they saying, if that's what a believer is, I want no part of it. The second thing that will happen and has to happen is we've got to open up the house. I want you to look, go back to our text. Look at Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 14 again. And the blind and the lame came to him at the temple. Now just a minute ago, he what? Wipes out the temple, clears out the temple, runs all the money changers out of there. And we don't know how long all that took, but they scatter, they're running, tables have been turned over. But then he says, then the blind and lame came to Jesus, where? At the temple. When we cleanse the temple first and we make it attractive and a temple for all nations, uh, then we open up the house and we say, whosoever will may come. You're blind, you're lame, you're a beggar, you're poor, you stink, you smell, you're homeless, you got a disease. We don't care. This is open for everybody. It's for all nations. We open up the house. 
No matter where you are or what you've done, you can be made right with God. And that, my friends, is the essence of the good news. No longer is the presence of God confined to a building. I will tell you now, because we are the temple of the living God, wherever we go, we have an opportunity for people to experience healing and power and life-giving presence to the Lord. So the blind and the lame and those who are not like us are people experiencing Jesus when they meet you. Jesus had time for the beggars, do we? He gave what was needed for the hungry, do we? He consoled those who were burdened, grieving, hurting, do we? We can't fully be Jesus, I will tell you that right off out of the gate because we are all seriously flawed and we can't control every situation, but the world ought to be a better place because we've been there. Because the presence of Christ is with us. And so when we go into a situation at work, or we go into a situation at home, or we're in a situation in our neighborhoods because I become a carrier of God's presence and God's grace, somehow the people around us ought to be better and lifted up and strengthened and encouraged because we've been there. Because we've opened up the house for all to come. For most of us, those who are like us, our friends, the world's better because they like hanging around us. Oh, he's a fun guy. We like him because we got our five buddies. We all have our party. We all feel good. But what about the all nations part? Do we accept all nations without judging so they can hear and see the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we reflecting Jesus Christ to the sinner? Are we reflecting Jesus Christ to those who have different beliefs than we do? Do we reflect Jesus Christ to those who have a different color than we do? Jesus came to open up the temple to everybody. That means if we are the temples of the living God, we also open up the presence of God to everybody. We don't choose. We get rid of our prejudices. We get rid of our preconceived ideas. We don't uh, choose who we're going to accept and who we're going to reject. Because why? Now I am the temple of the Lord. And so I make the gospel open to everybody. And to do that, I have to open up my heart to love everybody. Hmm. right after that temple is open the lame and blind come in and they are healed it goes on to say in the next couple of verses and all the children begin to praise the Lord and so they begin to praise and glorify God they're magnifying him because they have come into his presence and their lives are being changed by his presence the temple did what it was intended to do it became a place of good news it became a center for the gospel The good news is the lame can be healed. The blind can be healed. It will be a place where God can be praised and glorified. It is now a place of hope. It became open to all nations. If the gospel is not advancing, it is not a a gospel problem. It is a temple problem. The problem is not with the message. The problem is with the temple. And the temple is not a building, it's not a service, it's not a formula, it's us. It's us. We need to allow God to cleanse our temples 
and rediscover our purpose to be a light to all the nations, all people. Where are you today? Listen, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can invite him to come into your heart and life today. He died on Calvary for you. That's the good news. You've heard the gospel. The good news is Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He died on the cross for you. He thinks you're awesome. He gave his life for you. He came to die and take away your sins, and with that, the punishment of sin. You don't have to try harder. You don't have to be good first. You don't have to clean up your act before you come to this altar and say, God, I need you. Save me. Come into my life. Just give your life to the Lord and say, God, I can't save myself. I need your help. Please save me. Please cleanse me. Please forgive me. And he will make you a brand new person in Christ Jesus. And if you're a believer already and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've invited him to come into your heart and life, maybe there's some hindrances that are there that need to be cleansed today. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work inside of you and cleanse you and examine your heart and life this morning. Maybe he's dealing with you about the way you act, the way you talk to people. Maybe you're dealing with your heart about your prejudice that's deep inside. You say, well, that's the way my grandfather was and my father was. It doesn't matter. You're now a child of the living God. He's able to re-change your thinking. Maybe you've lost sight of your mission along the way and it's been all about you and you forgot the other nations. You're comfortable. You're in the temple. You're doing great. You're fine. And you've forgotten about everybody else that is out there. Today I've got good news. We can pray. We can say, God, I'm sorry. God, help me to open up my house. Help me to be that messenger to all the nations. Clean your temple and restore my passion and my purpose. Lord, do your work in me. God will do that. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.